man. This is halfway point. It's so crazy, right? Seven weeks down, seven more to go. Spring break, a week away is a nice respite from everything going on. Um, I'm ready. Like, we didn't even have much of a winter this year, but I'm like... The fact that it's cold now is like really frustrating me. I don't know if it is you, but it is me. So uh, I think that's going to go away soon. Um, if you've been coming to RUF, you know we're going through the book of Ephesians, which is a New Testament letter that Paul wrote to the church in a city called Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And Paul wrote this letter from prison, uh, and he wrote to these people to... <laughs> <laughs> to <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, he he wrote to tell these people what God is up to in our world, and uh, I want you to imagine. Before we look at this passage, I want you to imagine that uh, tomorrow you walk over to Stores Center looking for a cup of coffee power you through your Friday, and you walk into the Starbucks over there, and as you walk in, the manager comes out with a broom, and he hands it to you, and he says, you're late, get to work. I want you to think, what would you think in that moment? Um, You would probably start by being like, what? And you might think, I don't work here. And what are you doing? And you would be confused and dismayed and upset and mad or whatever else, probably. And what I want you to see is I think that that's what most people's idea of the Bible is in Christianity. Most people think of the Bible as a set of rules and commandments to follow, which the Bible contains lots of rules and commandments. But... um, They're usually confused. Most of us are confused and resentful when God tells us what we can and can't do. And as a result, we don't really want anything to do with Christianity oftentimes. And the the book of Ephesians that we've been looking at this semester is proof that the Bible is not like that at all. If you've been here week by week this semester, we've covered half of the book so far. And so far, there haven't been any rules. There haven't been any commandments. And everything that Paul has written about is what God is doing in our world. The work that God has done to save and fix our world and fix us. And, you know, he's transforming our world by fixing broken sinners, rebellious people, people that don't deserve him or anything. And he brings this group together called the church and it's filled with messed up people. And the way that God rescues his people and rescues the world is by working through these people that he's shown grace to and he saves his people by grace and he extends his grace now to the world. Uh, In other words, before Paul tells these Christians in Ephesus what to do, he tells them who they are. They're God's beloved people. They were bought at infinite cost. And in light of that, Paul will spend the rest of this letter, so the rest of the semester, we'll be looking at the implications. How should we live if we are God's people? Uh, In Christianity, being always precedes doing. 
That makes sense? Being always precedes doing. Different from every other religion, because every other religion is you do, you perform so that you can be one of God's people, and you're God's people, or something like that. But the Bible, Christianity is totally different. In the Bible, every commandment is a response to being saved by grace. It's a response to God freely bringing you in. It's like saying, now that you've been brought in, here's what life was meant to be like. Here, you can live it out now. Uh, now that you're part of the family of God, this is what life in the family of God is actually like. And so in light of that, in light of the way that God instructs his people, in light of this idea that being precedes doing, we're going to look at the next part of this letter, which does give us the implications of how to live as Christians. And, you know, we've, we've been calling this series, Grace Changes Everything. And so up to this point, we've been in the grace part, and now we're moving on to the changes everything part. Um, so uh, let me read our passage for us, and we'll spend some time examining it. From Ephesians chapter 4. Remember that Paul is in prison as he writes to these people. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's a lot there. Let me pray for us. Father, we're thankful that you give us your word. We're thankful, we're thankful that you show us who you are in it. We're thankful that you show us uh, ultimately how life is meant to be lived and empower us to live it through your gospel. We pray that we would experience something of that now as we look at your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so after Paul has just spent three chapters of his letter going into all these grand and lofty truths about how God has saved his people through Jesus, uh, he's, now he's moving on to giving these ins- specific instructions to Christians of how to live. And in other, what he's doing is he's saying, now that you've seen what God has done, here's what a response to that looks like. And he's going to, you know, over the next few weeks, we're going to cover things like sex and relationships and marriage and how to respond to authority and how to live together. But first, 
you know, the very first thing, that, the very first implication that Paul brings for how we're to live, for how our lives are to be different, is the idea of unity, which is interesting. I would have thought of something else probably, but Paul says the first implication of salvation by grace for the church is unity. And so I want to look at this idea of unity tonight under three headings, uh, three ideas about unity. The first is that we're all the same. The second is that we're all different. And the third is that we're becoming beautiful together. So first of all, I want to look at the idea that we're all the same. Uh, Paul says that if you're a Christian, then your identity as a Christian should unite you to all other Christians, no matter how different they may be from you. Uh, some, I've told stories in RUF about how I've traveled to a few different countries over the last several years. And if you've ever spent time in another country, like I spent a semester away in college and um, I've taken some extended trips to other countries. And if you're ever in another country as an American, one of the things that you can kind of count on to make you feel like home is to find the nearest McDonald's wherever you are. And so I've, had, I've been to several McDonald's in other countries around the world. And one of the things that's weird about it is that it's, re- it's like some menu items are different. They're kind of country specific. But the one thing that's always, like the bacon is weird in other countries. <laughs> but the fries are always the same. You know, if you want to feel like America and you're somewhere else across the globe, you can always get yourself the McDonald's fries, and they're exactly the same no matter where you go. What about the milkshakes? Not the milkshakes. Okay. We, what Paul's saying about Christians is that we're all really different, but we all have the same God. We all have God's spirit within us. We all have had the same thing happen to us be brought into relationship with God. We all share similar stories in a lot of ways. The gospel, the message that God enters into the world to save sinners, really is the only thing that can unify people. Unity is a really big deal. Like, the Bible is not the only place that talks about unity. Everyone talks about unity. Unity is talked about at UConn constantly. It's always been an issue in our country. Uh, in 1992, was anybody here born before 19, in 1992? A couple of people. Um, yeah, so when I was a little kid in 1992, one of the biggest news stories was the L.A. riots. And L.A. riots started because a man named Rodney King, who was African-American, there was video of him being beaten by police officers, and the case went to court and the officers were acquitted. And rioting broke out in L.A. Really serious rioting. Lots of people died. Lots of destruction. And there's this kind of soundbite, this clip. You can go on YouTube and watch it where Rodney King himself, in the midst of the violence, is talking to reporters. And he says, he says can we all just get along? Can we all just get along? And it became this kind of sound, the the soundbite of 1992 was, can we all just get along? And the interesting about that, which that was 24 years ago now, is that the same thing is happening today, right? Like, how many similar stories are there like like that today? Uh, Ferguson, Missouri, for instance, 
Like these things still continue to happen because uh, can we all just get along doesn't actually bring unity. What Paul says brings unity is the gospel itself. It's Christianity is the only religion that can establish unity because what it says is that all of us are equally guilty before God and God is a God of love. A lot of people's idea of unity is like, let's all compromise on what we believe and we'll take bits and pieces that we can kind of come together and agree on some things and put other things aside and that way we'll have unity. But Paul's saying that what we believe is the very basis of unity. There's nothing else like the gospel. Nowhere else do we find a God who's a relationship within himself. Nowhere else do we find a God who creates people so that they can know him and love him. Nowhere else do we find a God who loves his enemies and pursues them to the point of death to save them so that they can be brought in to this perfect relationship. In other words, we need to be united But to be united, we need to know what we believe. We need to know what is true. Only what is true can unite us. And this is why we make a big deal of the Bible in RUF. It may seem interesting to you that we, every RUF gathering, we look at a passage of the Bible and we go through, we we don't skip around and pick the parts we like. And oftentimes we'll come to a passage and I'll be like, I don't know, like, how does this fit? But we read it because we believe that God's word is true and we need it badly. If we don't take the Bible seriously, then the unity we were created for will be lost. We're all different in a zillion ways, but if we have Jesus, then we're all really the same. We were created by the same God. We've all rebelled against that God. We've all experienced the sadness of a world that's broken and messed up because of sin. And this same God has come and died to bring us back to him. We can be one because Jesus has made us one. And if we lose Jesus, we lose everything. So that's how we're all the same. But I want to look now at how we're all different and what Paul says about how we're all different. Uh, In the midst of talking about unity and kind of the second part of this passage, Paul starts to talk about how God's people have different gifts. He talks about how God's people are really different. Um, Unity not only involves sameness, but unity, according to Paul, appreciates and loves differences. Differences are what make life interesting, but they're also what make life really difficult. Uh, after, so after college, I did what Jeb is doing now, which is I was an intern with RUF at a university. And after that, I went on to seminary, which is like grad school for pastors. And uh, I had a roommate named Simon. Simon is still a good friend of mine. <laughs> And Simon is also now a campus minister. So we have the same job at two different universities. And I knew Simon a little bit from previous, uh, you know, we had gotten to know each other as RUF interns, but we were at different schools, so I didn't know him that well. And so we moved to the same place and we decided to be roommates, which was a really great thing. But what I realized is Simon was so different from me, like really different. I'll give you an example. If you know me, you know that like I'm pretty... 
like uptight about some things, especially like planning and having my ducks in a row. And I like follow my calendar very closely. I look at the weather constantly. I have like checklists and stuff like that, you know, so I like to be kind of on top of things. And Simon, who's, by the way, an awesome pastor, and you can meet him if you come to summer conference. He'll be there. He's wonderful. Uh, He has an awesome ministry. But Simon is totally different. And this was epitomized one day. So we took summer classes in the summer after the first year we lived together. And we had this intermittent time between summer school and when the fall semester was starting. And we were sitting around in our apartment. And we were just kind of watching TV or something. And Simon goes man, it's crazy that classes are going to get started in a couple of weeks. And my jaw dropped. (laughs) And I said, Simon, classes start the day after tomorrow, man. Like, (laughs) classes start in 36 hours, not a couple of weeks. Um, And I was like, have you not bought your books yet? Like, Like, you haven't thought about, you haven't thought ahead about this stuff yet? It was baffling to me. But the thing about Simon is that Simon loves people so much better than me. And he, you know, the, the way that he's kind of like disorganized about some of that stuff makes him so much better at some things that I'm not good at. And, R, you know, if RUF was filled with people like me, RUF would suck. But the fact that there's different kinds of campus ministers at different campuses and things like that is really what makes RUF, I think, great. Um, you know, if you think about our group, differences, or this campus, like, differences are what make RUF and community hard, right? Like, the fact that we're different and, you know, it's really hard to understand each other or why people are the way they are, that makes it hard. And, you know, the church, which is, Paul is all about the church, and the church is the same way. You know, Paul wouldn't have to write about unity if it wasn't difficult. Like, the reason he's writing about it is because it doesn't come naturally naturally. Uh, Differences are a big reason why we avoid places like church. But Paul only talks about the beauty of differences. In verse 7, he says that our diff- the different gifts are actually from Jesus himself. He, do- he portrays Jesus as this conquering king. And what he receives in conquering death is these gifts that he gives to us. Different talents, different abilities, different ways of appreciating life. So the reason that we should appreciate differences in people is that these differences come from God himself. But even more importantly, these differences are what will allow us to more fully serve God. Uh, One of the weird things for me about being a Yukon is how many engineers I know now. Uh, I never, I went to a small liberal arts college, didn't know one engineer, and now I came to UConn and I know literally hundreds of engineers all of a sudden, and they all, they're kind of a different breed. You may be an engineer. Um, and I often, oftentimes, I'm like, you know, I don't really understand that. I don't understand engineering, and I go to that expo in Gample for all the senior design projects every year. I look at the posters for people's like valves that they made or something like that. It's going right over my head. Uh, I don't understand it, but when I'm like driving on the highway on a bridge over water, I'm just like, man, I'm so thankful for civil engineers. 
because there's no way I could figure this out. And if they didn't exist, I would be like paddling a boat across this river right now. Like, I'm not joking, like this literally fast. Sometimes I look at like, you know, on ramps on a highway and the way like highways intersect and connect. And I'm just like, who figured this out? Like, this is amazing. What Paul is saying is that we need to come to think about the church in that way. There's tons of different people. Some people you may find to be weird. Some you know, you may find me to be weird. You, but if the church were full of only people like you, no one else would ever come to know God. No one would come to see the beauty of God. If RUF were full of people like you, that would be a failure. So as you think about the people you know here, or if you're a churchgoer, people that you see at church, or people in the, this broader community at UConn, do you tolerate differences in people, or do you love that people are different from you? When you come to a gathering like this, do you congregate, congregate around the people that are like you? Or do you try to get to know the people that aren't like you? Paul's message is that if we're going to be the people that God wants us to be, people that are unified and that can bring the message of God's love to the world, we're going to have to learn to really love the ways that we're different from each other. And, you know, we actually do, I think, an okay job of this. You know, as I look around at this group, we have a lot of different people. I think, in general, we do a pretty good job of loving each other and appreciating each other. Uh, and I just want to say, you know, we can do it more. And the more we do, the more of an impact RUF will have at UConn. Uh, so that's, you know, we're all the same, but we're all different. And what I want to look at finally in this passage is that we're becoming beautiful together. And we see this in a few ways in this passage, ways that we're becoming beautiful together. And the first is this idea of humility and gentleness that Paul talks about in this passage. The reason, like, the gospel creates humility and gentleness in a way that nothing else can, because the gospel just levels us. You know, flip back a couple pages in Ephesians, and you'll remember, if you've been here, we, we covered how Paul said, like, we're all dead in sin. We all come into the world dead in sin. The reason we can be one of God's people is because God gives it freely. It's because we're charity cases that have been loved by a good God. And so what that does, like, you know, what that does is it creates this environment where we can't be like, ugh, I can't believe you did that. We, we become people that say, like, I can believe you did that because I'm like you. Uh, I have a, you know, there's all kinds of things messed up about me, too. Um, and, you know, we become people that are gentle. We become people that understand, you know, oh, maybe that person's just having a bad day. I know what that's like. Paul says that what will happen if we're all growing together in this way is that we'll start to function like a body. The human body is amazing. And what makes the body amazing and beautiful is how interconnected it is. Think of the idea of breathing. Ever thought about breathing? Breathing is insane. Like, do you know how insane breathing is? You know, you, 
inhale air which has a lot of oxygen in it, but it's not all oxygen, and it goes into your lungs, and from your lungs it goes into your blood, and it circulates all over your body because your cells need oxygen, and carbon dioxide comes back into your lungs, and then back into your heart, or heart, and then your lungs, and you breathe it out as carbon dioxide, and it's all happening like, that all just happened, you know, as I breathe. That's, Paul's saying like a system like that, something phenomenal like that is what God's people are becoming. And he uses these ideas like maturity and fullness to talk about it. Paul's saying that what maturity and fullness looks like is being dependent on each other. And ultimately being dependent on Jesus, who he calls the head. You know, if we're the body, then Jesus is the head. I think that some of you are living your lives in an opposite way. I think that some of you are living as if your idea of maturity is to do everything on your own while involving as few people as possible. Paul would call that immaturity. He would say that you're missing the boat altogether of what life is all about if your goal is to live alone, if your goal is to involve as few people as possible in your life. Another way that Paul kind of fleshes out this idea of growing, becoming beautiful together is what he calls speaking the truth in love here in verse 15. Paul says that when we speak the truth in love to each other, we'll become more like Jesus. I think speaking the truth in love is something that's completely lost on us. We're only going to grow if we're in community, and we're only going to grow if we're pushing each other, if we're telling each other things about ourselves that we don't see about ourselves, that we don't realize. Speaking, in the, speaking the truth in love is telling someone something that they need to hear that they wouldn't see themselves in love, in a loving way. And we're good at kind of the two opposite. We're good at speaking the truth in hatred, I'm really good at that, you know, like you get, you let someone know exactly what they're doing and it's coming from this place of hatred, like, and making myself feel better. Or we're also good at speaking lies in love too, right? Yeah, like that person, you're in a relationship is wonderful. You're, you know, they're great. Yeah, they're great. Or, you know, you're doing fine. You know, everything's perfect. Uh, We... We're really good at speaking lies and love because it's easier, right? Because we don't want to deal with possibly offending someone or hurting someone by speaking the truth. But speaking the truth in love is really difficult. And we need to be doing this for people, for our friends, you know, the people that we have a say in their lives, and we need people doing this for us. Uh, This happened to me one time in college. I'll never forget this. I was... It was like my junior year of college, and before classes started, I went to the beach with some friends, and I was riding in the car with a friend, and it was just the two of us, about a four-hour drive, and so we did a lot of talking, and along the way, for some, I don't really, I kind of know why, but I don't really know why, I was just kind of being like super critical, and annoying, and finally my friend he was a good friend in love, said, dude, I, it feels like you're putting down everything I say. He said it just like that. And I can remember t- 
tears welling up in my eyes instantly because it hurt to hear it, but I knew that it was true. I didn't know why. You know, I was like, why am, yeah, you're right. Why am I doing that? And, but it was the kind of thing where I would have never realized that I was doing it unless someone told me. As you think about this idea of speaking the truth in love, I'd encourage you to ask someone who you trust, who you actually have a good relationship with, a question like, hey, how do I come, off, how do I come across to people? What can you tell me about that? Or ask someone who you trust if they think you're making wise decisions currently and see what they say. You might find that you're too easy on yourself and they might tell you things that you didn't see, but you might also find that you're being way too hard on yourself. And this is where you really begin to see how challenging true community, like this is what true community is like, speaking the truth in love. And it's so challenging because to do it in love is really hard and it can lead to awkwardness and it can, you know, like awkward silences and these weird conversations that never happen between people at a place like Yukon that are happening. Uh, and it's this risk because you're kind of stepping out there and you don't know how this conversation is going to go. And so how can you take the risk? You know, this is, a, this is a grand vision of community and what RUF could be and what community could be like. And how can you take that risk? Because most people don't. And the answer that Paul gives is that you can take the risk when the basis of your faith is a God who sees all your flaws but who sacrificed everything to bring you in. You know, you can come to live out true community when you come to see yourself as someone who's part of something so much larger than like being a good little boy or girl so that God will love you. So much better than that. So as you think about what we've talked about tonight, I'll just, I'll leave you with some questions to kind of evaluate and think for yourself. How will you step out this week for the sake of the unity of God's people? Who will you ask for help this week? Who will you ask to pray for you this week? Who will you make an effort to know that's different than you? Who will you finally have that conversation with that you've been putting off for months. If you do, you know, if you embrace this, if you do these things, your life is going to get a lot more complicated. But it's also going to be a lot more the way life was meant to be. You know, ultimately, it's going to feel a lot more like heaven the world that we were created for. So let me close us in praying that God would work. Uh, this into our community here. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we are really bad at this stuff naturally. Uh, I can just think of a zillion ways that where I fall short of uh, this ideal and uh, how I resist unity and I resist community uh, just because of how challenging it really is to live out. Lord, uh, we need your spirit to empower us to do this. 
Uh, and I pray that you would guide us, you would lead us in these directions. Uh, help us to love those that are not like us here at UConn. Help us to be a different kind of community at UConn. We pray that you'd be glorified among us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.